you. Something I really just don't know. Welcome back, listeners. Podcast already started, Ned. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Started. All right. I didn't um, even know we were starting. This is Gregor and Ned from a little restaurant in Tashkent. I don't know the name of it. It's called Doka. D-O-K-A. Doka. Yeah, little Italian place that we found yesterday on a walk to the venue and back. And Ned just told me he desperately wanted to start a podcast. So, we're trying to... Yes, um, ice water. Yeah, with gas. With gas? Yes. No gas. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we're just getting some water. And who knows, later on we might be joined by a special guest, but... Probably not. Probably not. We'll we see. How's the water? Ned is tasting the water. He's giving it the nod of approval. Yeah, this is really good water. It's not his favorite water, but it's good. Yeah, my favorite water is Borjomi, obviously. I mean, what the listeners by now should know that. Do we talk about Borjomi a lot? I feel um, like maybe. I feel like we talked about Borjomi more before we started the podcast. Huh. Um, Anyway, so we are just sitting down after a day of training hall, which wasn't really that tough no. because it wasn't that long or too stressful. Nothing, nothing to it. Like there really hasn't been anything crazy exciting in the training hall yet. No, there was no rushing. Oh, there was no triage. Should I get this lift or should I get this lift? No, it was, it was a lot of like, yeah, I guess I'll get it because I'm standing here. Yeah. sort of stuff. More, more that kind of stuff. Um, but we should maybe we should start off in the morning. When you, when we successfully bought another lens, yeah, that turned out to be really useful here. <laughs> yeah, well, at least for a day. Yeah, it. Um, sorry, listeners, I'm possibly bumping. Yeah, our, our, our table is extremely unstable. Yeah, um, I'm looking for something to put. Yeah, we have to put something under one of the legs. I have some some bond. Oh, bond. <laughs> It, it, should, it, it should be over here. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to help, but... So this is riveting podcast material. Ned is fixing our wonky table. Just so we get kind of better audio for you guys. All right, I think it's... It's a little better. A little better. It's, it's not fixed, but it's better. All right. They already had something under there, so someone already tried to jab something under wow. the table. And it's like one leg is like half, half foot <laughs> short. Yeah. Anyway, so we um, went and bought a lens at the Sony store. Yeah. Um, uh, that actually went super smoothly. Amazing. We, they had the lens that he wanted. That we were needed. probably in the store for a grand total of like three minutes. Probably, yeah. Yeah, really quick. Yeah. Um, and then we uh, ordered food. Yeah, went back home. Oh, we ordered food and then we went home. And by the time we arrived, uh, food was almost there. Yeah, food was good. Um, basic oatmeal and what did I have an omelette yeah. um, you had a salad I had like a chicken pesto salad that was terrific I gotta order that again I'll was, order that tomorrow oh look um, there's another king here in the restaurant yeah and then should we did we mention that we we went here last night also I, no, we have not mentioned it. Oh, you didn't mention that. I, I heard you say we, we found it yesterday. Oh. But we actually ate here last see, night also. I'm so um, tired right now. Actually, not tired. Maybe I'm a little bit... Like, I need some food in me. Maybe low blood sugar? Maybe. Could be low blood sugar. <laughs> um, it's a running joke. Yeah. So we... Um, I'm trying to think, like... 
you know, I, I don't rem really remember who was in the training hall first, but it wasn't it wasn't a very eventful day. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of countries are here by now, which is good. Um, yeah. The the event's definitely not canceled. Definitely <laughs> not. Looks yeah. like it's going ahead. I think it's going ahead full steam. I actually was hoping for, you know, maybe an event that was a bit smaller. Um, there's a lot of like C sessions and yeah, we have two or three days with six sessions. Two days with six, two days. and then the, there's also at least one D session. Like 96s have a D. Yeah, I'm not sure if any other groups have a D session, but um, it's a it's a pretty big meet for an. Literally, I mean, I don't, you know, when when was the last time there was a meet in an Olympic year? So yeah, but. Um, literally an Olympic year meet, not even the year after the Olympics. Right. Like, and there's a lot of people coming who who were in the Olympics, like Lasha, you know, and mm. like people who who won Akbar. the Olympics. Like Akbar Jarayev is competing, and Akbar's in good shape. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't know if I'm supposed to say what I saw, but I saw some, you know, good recent videos. I didn't see the videos, but Ruslan told me the numbers. Yeah, and Ruslan is also in good shape, and he showed me some videos of him. Yeah. Um, they were just in Ukraine training. And it just flew in this morning. And, um, yeah, no, it's like, there, there's a good number of, you know, people who uh, you would expect to take more time off. Now, some people are taking time off, as you would expect. Like, Heidi Diaz is not coming. Mode Sharon is not coming. You know, obviously, all the Chinese who won, which was seven gold medals, they're all not coming. So. Yeah. That alone, it takes away a lot of them. Right. But there's a lot of people who won other medals who are here. Like, you know, Kate Omar is here. Yeah. Um, Anton Plesnoy is coming. Lifting and, in the B group. Yeah, both so, Kate Omar and Plesnoy are in the B group. Okay. And then, yeah, but just ov overall, it's a, you know, pretty good meet. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously everything is in the context of China and North Korea not being here. As far as uh, China and North Korea not being here, it's a it's a great meet. Of course, uh, not, we you know we should mention too. Miso is coming, and that's cool. Man. He you know he won the Olympics also. Um, I mean the, I mean maybe like the, the 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 team that should be stronger that is the weakest is is probably the U.S. because like so many of the of the good lifters aren't aren't coming or or aren't aren't it's a shame, here. Man. Um, Yeah, I feel like the, you know, we talked about this on the first podcast, but I feel like the U.S. really just messed up with their decision-making process with yeah. this, you know. Like, and the Italians, too. The Italians really blew it because, like, Nino, like, this was Nino's chance to become senior, you know, champion. They, like, you know, whoever, whoever was making these decisions at these federations, like, should seriously reevaluate their process for how they're going to decide how to do things in the time of COVID. Yeah. Because we were discussing this on the walk here from the training hall. This probably, this whole COVID, you know, thing is is not going away. You know, that's like, no, is it going to, you know, fade into a, uh, like, just like an endemic thing that's kind of like always going on in the background and not be at the forefront? I mean, maybe. You know, I'm not going to say that COVID is going to be at the forefront of everything yeah. um, in in five years like it is right now, you know, really for the last two years almost. But it's not like there's no chance that in one year that we're going to be having no COVID 
issues. And considering that, it's um, kind of ridiculous that we are, or like there are no better system systems in place right now to manage that situation when it comes to training or rules in the training hall or, or that kind yeah. of yeah, rules we'll, changing. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. But we were told today about some rules in the training hall that really just don't don't make sense. A, they know? don't make sense, and B, they should have been communicated like months before. Yeah, they're they're literally telling us after we've already been in the training hall for yeah. you know four days or whatever. Um, so it's you know there's there's a lot of like making up uh, rules on the fly and a lot of kind of just like making up rules that don't make sense but they yeah. feel like they need to make it up because there's like if they don't make up that rule and there is a COVID problem then they're going to feel like they're going to be in trouble sort of thing there's a lot of like uh, you know the, there's there's a lot of I'm not sure how exactly to phrase it but there's a lot of uh I would almost say, like, instead of FOMO, it's like FOMU, which is like fear of messing up. Yeah. Um, there's a lot Nobody of, wants to be the person that is responsible for anything. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, irrational fear of messing yeah. up, which is it's just like, oh, my God, like, you know, I'm, I'm in charge of, you know, making sure that this team, you know, gets into this country and out of this country smoothly. And, like, if there's, like, a tiny percentage chance that, you know, Turkish Airlines could cancel our flight and then... We can't get out on time, and then, like, our visas expire, and then, yeah. like, it's all—it's going to be all my fault. And it, if if I just do the safe thing and just, you know, recommend that no one goes, somehow I'm, you know, I'm doing my job. Mm. It's like, eh, you know, just being, uh, you know, being, um, being overly conservative is not necessarily doing your job well but like i said there's just so much fear of messing up in this age of covid yeah that like no one feels like they can and like, you mentioned that it's really taken away some of your like, um, joy of doing this whole thing yeah i mean you know i was talking about that i was telling gregor that on the, the walk over here as well which is just like for me you know i started doing this And you know this is this is interesting because this is actually the 10 year anniversary of me going to Paris Worlds. Wow. So I've been doing this literally for 10 years, and I started doing it because it was fun. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I started doing it because I enjoyed going to like see the basically you know the the meet live. I, I found that to be very you know fun. And I also started doing it because no one else was doing it. And I thought that it was interesting enough that I could put this stuff online and people would find it interesting. And, I mean, I guess I was right yep. because people found it interesting and now there's a bunch of other people doing it. So, and I, I, you know, I don't necessarily mind other people doing it, but what I do mind is, like, the fact that this is not really that fun for me. You know? And... You know, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like someone who's complaining about, you know, being here at Worlds and blah, blah, blah. And like, but, you know, compared to how it was 2011 to 2019 and how it's been since then, this is not that fun. You know, that's just that's just the bottom line from my perspective. 
and uh, and you know whether or not someone who at home has never been to Worlds would enjoy some aspects well, of being no here. question yeah. you know like that that's that's not necessarily the bar I'm trying to hit yeah. it's just like I you know it's like do do I really want to invest this much into coverage you know like I brought a second guy here. Yeah. Um, I spend a lot of money on trips. I, you know, I send people to meets that really don't have an economic benefit. Like, for instance, I sent someone to Youth Pan Ams. I think I published one video. It didn't do well. Yeah. And there, that was literally the best video that was from there. Mm. So other videos weren't going to do better. And, um, yeah. and it's like, wait, why am I, why am I invest? And, you know, I sent someone to, like... Euro youth and you know in Poland I sent someone to Euro juniors in Finland and stuff like that now I'm not saying that you know it's COVID's fault that I'm sending people places that aren't economically a good idea but what I'm saying is is that it's like you know should I should I keep investing a lot yeah, into it's getting harder and harder to justify it yeah, yeah. what what boils down to um, and that, that's that's partly COVID's fault. Like, for instance, right now we're being told that starting tomorrow, yeah. we can only stand in one of three spots in the training hall. And there, there. I don't really know if this is gonna. Like, I don't. I don't know if this is actually gonna happen. But the, yeah. by by the rule that we're being told, we can only stand one of three spots. It's all on the outer edge of the training hall. And we're being told that only one person can stand there at a time, like, which is. Which doesn't make any sense. Doesn't because make sense. And for those of you who have seen our videos on our stories, um, the training hall is so densely packed with platforms that there's always something in your way when you're standing on the side. Basically, you, you can shoot at most maybe the first two platforms in if you get lucky. Um, and in theory, if you can only be in one of those three spots and you're not allowed to move around, yeah. then basically you're... It's just, it's almost pointless to be in the training hall. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. Complete waste of time. And this, you know, these sorts of things, like, aren't communicated ahead of time. No. And um, we were also being told tonight that there's, like, just a few positions that we're allowed to be in at the competition. There's, like, some stickers on the ground. Yeah. All of which look like they're in bad spots. Yeah, terrible spots. Terrible spots. And then we also need to get, like, some sort of sticker... Something related to COVID. I, I have no idea. Like, you and know, so, so none of these rules are being communicated. They're not being communicated. And meanwhile, we have like um, Uzbek loader kids or like kids that work here or do like voluntary work in the training hall. Yeah. Not wearing any masks. We should say, yeah, the whole reason these new rules are put in place is because of COVID and to prevent like the spread. Yeah. And we're wearing masks. Ned and I. Are one of the few people in the training hall. Some coaches wear masks. Yeah, um, that wear masks. Yeah, but we're, we're yeah we're wearing like N90 N95 like or you know FFP2 yeah proper um, masks. Like we're actually wearing like real filtering masks, and we're wearing them the whole time. We're not one of these people who's like, you know, we put it on for 10 minutes, and then once yeah. we get into the training hall, we take it off for the next eight hours, which yeah is what a lot of people do. So like it doesn't. You know, and basically, yeah, there's a lot. Like, we we just walked into the competition venue when we saw some of those, like, you know, uh, basically spots on the ground. And, you know, we'll see. Um, it's a little too early because, you know, yeah. we're recording this podcast the night before the competition starts. Yeah. 
And one thing I have learned over the last 10 years of covering this is that rules change day by day. Yeah. Like, for instance, the the rule that we were told today about the training hall didn't, didn't, there was no, there was even no mention of it until today. It wasn't like they were thinking about it and blah, blah, blah. There was no mention of it until today. So it's, you know, rules change and whether the, the rules we're talking about right now will be in place in like three days is very unpredictable. And also whether anyone will listen to it and it'll really be enforced and whether, you know, uh, you know, it'll be kind of enforced for a day and then people will start, you know, not paying attention to it. Yeah. Like, for instance, when I went to Hawaii for the USAW training camp, there was a, initially a rule that said, right. okay, everyone needs to stand... Uh, okay, so the rule as of nationals, which was maybe three weeks away from Hawaii, and keep in mind, at nationals, I had not booked my trip to Hawaii yet mm. because it was very unclear what the access would be. We didn't buy our trip or the trip for Buffer because we expected like the rules to be as as described earlier yeah, which yeah. did not sound great and we're not like made the whole trip not, not worth it for, me, for us yeah so the initial rules were that there were going to be somewhat like what they're saying to, about the training hall here which was that the initial yeah. rules were that that you would be standing in like the corner behind some sort of stanchion mm. and like you could just shoot far away yeah and you and, would have to share there was this media pool thing yeah media pool thing where you would have to share if they couldn't allow enough media in yeah. for the day blah 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 so then you know I, I was like, well, I'm just not going to book a flight out there because this is an expensive trip to fly out to Hawaii and, you know, pay for a hotel and blah, 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 this and that. Like, like why would I spend a few thousand dollars on a, a trip where I'm taking footage from, you know, 50 feet away in the corner yeah. and there's who knows what's going to be in the way. Yeah. And then I was asking for a while about like, oh, um, is there a... You know, is are, are there poles in the way? You know, because I was like, there were. This is a big room. Uh, you know, are, are, is there going to be a pole in the way where we will be just be yeah. blocked from two platforms? So then they were saying, oh well, okay. They 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 told me I think maybe a, right around nationals or a little bit after nationals. They said, okay, we've we we haven't gotten enough media requests, so we don't think we'll have to do media pooling, but we'll still you'll still have to stand behind the line. Mm. Um, or you'll still have to like stand in the corner. And then it became, okay, well, we're not actually going to do a corner, but we're going to do a line around the room where you can you yeah. can kind of like circle the lifters like they're, you know, like, you know, animals in a zoo. And like, we can only be on the outside, but like the outside of the glass. Yeah. And then it became, so that when I saw that and I saw some of the early, and by the way, I didn't book my trip until I saw some of the early results. Like, I, I basically saw what it looked like because okay. I was getting kind of, like, poorly described, you know, uh, descriptions of the room, text-based descriptions, and then I got, I got like, a, um, you know, they sent out a diagram of the room that, like, very, also was not very clear. So I was like, you know what, I was like, this, this is, this is, like, part of what I kind of Uh, very much dislike about covering weightlifting in the COVID era mm. is that there's just so much uncertainty. Like, where are these events going to be? Who's going? You know, what what are we allowed to do? Is this going to be? You know, what what are the rules even? And it's just like like I said, it's it's very frustrating for me. It makes me not want to do it. But um, anyway, so then I saw the, the the Hawaii room, 
from some of the people who went there early. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I think I, I messaged, I think it was Stu, because he was out there earlier. And I messaged Stu from Yikes Media, and basically he said, um, he was like, he was like, oh, they're, they're not enforcing the line. They're, he was like, basically, you can just go behind the line. And so then um, I, I'm trying to remember. Oh, you know what it was? It was Kevin Farley. I think he told me, like, Kevin Farley is the only one enforcing the line. So he's, he's like, and I was like, I was like, oh, is like Kevin there now? He's like, yeah, but Kevin's going with, um, going with like Jordan De La Cruz on the first day. So then I booked my flight to just get there right as Kevin was leaving. Oh, nice. And, and you know, I get there and literally there's, there's no rules. There's no tape. I think there actually was tape down the ground from like when Kevin was there. Yeah. But like there was no, there were no rules. Like, you know, Phil Andrews was like sitting there watching us like walk around the room just saying, you know, yeah. whatever. And it so much fuss about nothing in the end. Yeah. So, this might be our food, actually. Oh, it was fast today. Chili chicken. Chili chicken. Chili chicken. Yes, please. And a giant chili chicken pizza. Perfect, thank you. An Italian classic. Thank you. So, um, I'm going to give it a minute to cool down so we can stop the po pause the podcast there, man. But anyway, it's just like these like dumb rules that don't even get enforced. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm I'm not sitting here saying like, oh, it would be a great idea to enforce all these rules in all cases because there are some cases where it's a just a stupid rule. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, and so it's kind of like you know, are these rules of worlds even going to be enforced? It's like eh, it's like it's so much. There's so much uncertainty and stupidity in all of it that it really just annoys me and like I said I'm I'm not you know in a position where I'm gonna be like oh we're we're going to cancel all book coverage of everything blah 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 because that's not really where I'm at but I do think I'm going to scale back you know like I, I think I'll just like like at Worlds next year if it's in China we're not gonna bring like three people to try to do that because like they're they're gonna be super strict about it yeah they're gonna be like what social media what well they they know about it because of like Lu Zhaozhu and Barbell and you know other you know entities that are getting more involved in it but it's just like it's like no I'm just not going to heavily invest in it you know I'll, I'll have like one person go and we'll just take some competition footage and It's just, it, it is what it is, you know, because if, if we're going to be heavily restricted in training halls and stuff, there's there's just no point, which is sad because at one point, you know, I would go to Worlds with like three or even four people to try to get better coverage. Like we got really good coverage in 2017 and I still get messages from people who are like, I love watching your 2017 training hall footage um, because I just had more people there. Yeah. And, and now it's like, you know... It's just... It's it, not helping to grow the sport, let's put it this way. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of, um... There's a lot of, like, lack of, uh... Lack of sense, I would say, in the rules, in terms of, like, oh, you know, does it make sense, maybe, to have a few masked people in the training hall to, to kind of, like, promote what's going on here? Yeah, keep in mind that we are surrounded by... Like hundreds know, of people. Hundreds of people not, not wearing masks. Not wearing masks, yeah. Heavily breathing in and out during exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Um, but, you know... 
We try to make it work somehow. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, and I'm also it's very frustrating. I have a freshly baked pizza right in front of me. So I think we're gonna pause this podcast. So do you want to keep recording? Um, I think let's pause. Oh, no, no, let's keep recording for another few minutes because there was one listener complaining about. Um, Oh, was he asking? I think there was one. There was one guy who said like, "Oh, don't don't like eat while you podcast," which was ironic because during yeah, so the last we podcast we were not eating. So this one is so, for you, buddy. So, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. so I just keep talking. And yeah, Greg, Gregor is actually eating now. Yeah. So the question is, do I sound like I'm eating when I'm talking? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just have a muffled muffled <laughs> voice or something. I don't know. Maybe it was because we are. Were we podcasting with masks? Oh, we did podcast podcast with masks on oh. for part of it. We were, I think, where were we? I don't remember where we were. Were we in the training? Yeah. Okay. Just briefly. Yeah. So that could have been it too. But yeah, we were not eating during the last one. We are. Um, well, no. I, I took one bite, and Gregor is now. You know. Yeah. He's about he's about four slices in at this point. But anyway, let's pause it, and we'll come back in a minute. And just like that, five minutes later, we're done with our pizzas. That's true. We uh, basically just housed our entire pizzas. Yeah. Um, and they're not e- they're not even small pizzas. Like for U.S. listeners, I'd probably estimate these are like yeah, maybe like thirteen inch pizza pizzas, something like that. Um, and not super thin either. They're, no, they're good. Pizza. De- decent pizza. And good. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so what were we talking about? I guess we were talking about how weightlifting is frustrating for me, at least, to cover. Um, I can tell that other people are frustrated. Like Seb was saying, he was frustrated. Obviously, you're frustrated with it. Um, we'll see, though, because, like you know, like I was saying, it, it can change. Anything. It always changes. Yeah. yeah. And usually, me, usually, like usually, several. Sorry for the burps. Um, usually, several days in, everyone kind of it kind of falls into a rhythm and. Yeah. Everyone just gotta dance the dance. Sometimes just gotta dance. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, I would say that historically that was always the case. That, that's not a COVID thing. No, no, that, no. That's a that's a every meet thing. But you know, I feel like COVID's made it uh, significantly worse. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, I guess should we talk about the, the competition, or should we talk about? Um, let me just look at my podcast notes. Uh, yeah, Gregor keeps notes on what we should talk about. Um, but... Um, oh yeah, did we mention that the medals were supposed to come with <laughs> Team China? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, as of a day ago, there were no medals here. Yeah. Because Team China is obviously not coming, and the medals were produced in China. I mean, so that that's another example of, like, how... How COVID is uh, ruining this stuff. Like yeah. the fact that also, I think it's kind of funny that the uh, the IWF or Uzbeks, I'm not sure exactly who made that decision, but the fact that anyone thought that it would be reliable to have China come to anything during COVID is laughable to me. Yeah, um, because if there was like one country that I would not count on traveling during COVID, it's I mean, maybe North Korea or whatever, but yeah. like China is definitely in like the top ten for countries that I'd be like, 
yeah, I don't think you're going to get them to go anywhere during COVID. So. I'm surprised New Zealand is here because they were super strict with their border stuff. Well, they've, they've, they've now said that they're switching from their yeah, zero COVID yeah. policies. So it, it might be like, okay, when they go, I'm sure when they go home, they'll have to quarantine for a while and this and that. But, which is something that's kind of a foreign concept in the U.S. Like, I don't think there's been any... Yeah. Uh, there, there's literally hasn't been a single person come back into the U.S. who's had actually had to quarantine. Yeah, it was funny after the Olympics seeing David Lee from New Zealand being stuck in this quarantine hotel at the airport and just playing like coming up with like, who was it? David Lee. Oh, okay. Um, um, and he came up with like some mini golf games that he played. Like, he built these little mini golf courses. I don't know if I saw that, but I did see um, Kiana Elliott was in quarantine for one month after coming oh, back from the Olympics. God, yeah. And she it was, was like gymnastics challenges there. What do you not go insane? It was two weeks in the hotel near the airport. Yeah. And then it was another two weeks. I think maybe it was home quarantine in her state. I think because she did a domestic flight afterwards again. Yeah. Something like that. And then you have to do... She basically things. moved from state to state within yeah. Australia. But yeah, like nutty stuff. Whereas, you know, when, when I get back from a place, like I could literally just go to like, a, you know, a 200 person party, yeah. like the day I got back and no one, no one would say anything to me. No, you could go no. to a rave in Miami. I don't do that, but I could, yeah. is the point. So it's kind of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe explains why certain things happen the way they do in different countries, but yep. What, the thing I was saying to Gregor is that obviously this is not going to end anytime soon because as long as as long as it's circulating so widely in the world, obviously we're going to have new variants pop up, yeah. and new variants are going to you know evade vaccines and cause you know people to have worse cases who who have either prior um, you know infections or you know immunity from from a vaccine so like my question is is like when is this gonna uh at least like stop i, I don't know if i would say stop because i don't know if stop is the right word but when's it going to like be a point where that they could for instance host a meet in china and you wouldn't have to worry about COVID-related shutdowns or problems. Yeah, it's going to be like two years. Like we almost Three years, two ten years. years? I don't even know. Like years, it, yeah. it could be for, for for some countries, it already is seemingly fine. Like it doesn't seem like like for instance, I was never worried that the AO finals in Denver were going to become canceled because of COVID. Now, of course, there were questions of, will there be, like, a mask mandate in place for spectators? Will there be one in place for loaders? Will there be one in place for athletes? Like, they held a meet earlier this year. I think it was AO2 in, uh, I think it was New Mexico, where masks were required for competitors. Wow. So people had to wear masks everyone in there whether you were competing or not you were wearing a mask so it's kind of like you know there's still some uncertainty with that but I, I no longer am worried about a meet in the US literally being cancelled at least for right now now obviously things could change but it's like I kind of hate the uh, all of the uncertainty and like potential problems and like new rules and things not being communicated it's just it's it's very frustrating and I, like i said i just don't have no idea how long it would last for mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder 
you know, like, I mean, I'm not trying to like sound extreme, but it makes me wonder whether, am I like even in like the right field? Like, should I just be doing something totally different? And I don't mean like not in the weightlifting world, because I think there's lots of things I could be doing in weightlifting, but like, is live coverage the thing I should be focusing on or no? You know, with the, the more that I do it in COVID, the more I think I, you know, live coverage is not the right thing to be doing right now. Um, and I have a lot of other ideas for what we could do within weightlifting that would be kind of like interesting, I think. But it's like, it's so uh, unpredictable. And there's so many people like not participating because of it. And, eh, you know, it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that was the one big topic that will change. What else would you want to talk about? Maybe what we saw on the trading hall? I mean, there hasn't been any major report lifts going yeah. down. I um, mean, that's, you know, that's part of why I'm yeah. a little bit, uh, you know, questioning whether this even makes sense. Because it's like the whole point of um, coming early for the trading hall. Like, literally, we've been here for like five days. Yeah. And I've gotten almost no footage that I would like really classify as like interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's like why did I why did I come five days early or should I should I just start coming to Worlds like the day before the competition starts? Yeah. You know, it's like is this is this even worth it? Um, but I would say I'm trying to think of like what I would classify as like the most important or most interesting lift in the training hall. Um, I mean, the, fa the fact that neither one of us can think of anything yeah. I'm is thinking just like, very telling. What did telling. I post so far? Well, Not I, even I, the, the stuff I found today was that good. It's, I mean, it's still cool to see, and like these stories before traditional training hall stories are cool to feature people that are a not often featured on our channels yeah. and it's cool to see a who showed up and what condition like what shape they're in I mean Robo Marin in his 81 <laughs> Robo Marin yeah Marin Robo God <laughs> <laughs> he snatched 160 today yeah it's pretty pretty cool he looks chunky yeah, yeah. but is he is he um, like what, what's his weight class here 81 what 81 81 okay so, yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's good. I saw him doing it, and I just saw, like, a whole bunch of people standing around filming him, so I decided, like, all right, I don't need to go over and get it also. Yeah. But, <laughs> Robo Marin. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that might have been the most interesting thing so far, yep. which is, it says something that I didn't go over and film it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, um... I mean, you know, there have been some interesting attempts. Like, Ali Alcazal tried a 200 clean and jerk today. Uh, didn't make it. And he's coached by the one and only Latvian coach, Edward, Edward yeah. Andruskevich. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if he's actually, like, coached by him. But right right now, like, Edwards is coaching for the Saudi team. I mean, he is. He thinks he's coaching them. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he's coaching them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ritwas, uh, Ritwas Suharis, he's coming to church in soon, yes, or maybe he's arriving today. Yeah, I think he, I think they told me he's, or Edwards told me he's like coming. Mm -hmm. I think he actually said he was coming yesterday. Oh, so maybe yesterday, Maybe he's yeah. here. But, 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what else. I guess that the, the, 50, the 55 from Country. Tunisia. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce her name. The Kier Gofran. Gofrana? I don't know. I think Gofran is her, her given name. Gofran Belkir? Okay. Yeah, something like that. That sounds about right. Anyway, she she won the 59s at Junior Worlds. And now here she's a 55 and still looking super powerful. Yeah, she's got a lot of power. She reminds me a lot of Nuha. Uh, because they both are like very tall, lanky. They don't necessarily look like the kind of like squat, kind of like short, you know, no. kind of like Katomar build or whatever. <laughs> Katomar's <laughs> Katomar is just a, a tank. Yeah. Um, but... They they both have some similar lifting styles, so they don't have traditional technique. They don't like move like a you know like a Russian weightlifter, like a you know nope. Aram now style, where like everything is like very graceful. precise and graceful. Yeah, they've got some like wild technique, but they're super strong and yep. powerful. Anyway, she looks she looks like she you know could could, probably do, win. could do could do well could win. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean there's She's a lot still of a junior too. Yeah, she's well. I mean, she, she was a junior world. Yeah, exactly. Um, she, yeah, she looks good. And I'm trying to think, you know, we we obviously filmed some of you know the Japanese, some of the you did some of the Koreans, but yeah, I, either either the a lot of a lot of good lifters who are coming haven't actually shown their face yet. Yeah. Like for instance, the Colombians are here. But Luis Mosquera and Francisco Mosquera and Lesman. you know, well, Lesman's a heavier weight class. But I'm talking about in the lighter classes. Like I haven't seen, um, you know, Yeni Alvarez yet. I haven't seen Rosie Silgado yet. I, and like I said, I hadn't haven't seen either of the Mosqueras. They're not brothers, but either of the Mosqueras. And I haven't seen uh, Habib De La Salas is on the list for the 61s, and he's really good. I haven't seen him in the training hall. Yeah, I've seen you, yeah, but but. You know, Manuel Barrio is here. Yeah, and um, I don't know the other guy, the 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 small Colombian male who I, I, don't know his name. I assume he's the fifty five. Yeah. I'm not familiar with him, but I've seen so I've seen a few people. So it's kind of weird that like for instance, Katomar got here today, mm. um, didn't do a heavy session. He's doing a heavy snatch day tomorrow, though, according to what he told me. So tomorrow is maybe a 170 snatch. So that could be interesting, but we also might have to stand, you know, yeah. who knows how many platforms away from him and not get anything interesting. That's the thing. So from here on out, it's just a big question mark. It is a big question mark. Like what will what will we be able to film, and you know what will the competition coverage look like, and all that stuff is very uh, very much up in the air, but. I mean, I am, uh, I am planning on doing more competition. I would say like faster posted competition coverage this year, mm. uh, partly because the the M1 Max are just so much better. It used to be that I kind of dreaded editing anything mm. at you know on a laptop at, at you know at a meet just yeah. because yeah it's just so so slow and painful. It used to be that my my and I, I had don't get me wrong I had like a very nice MacBook Pro that was supposedly a fast one etc. It used to be that the MacBook Pro was literally one tenth as fast as my computer at home, and now it's more like it's my computer at home is more like three times faster. Mm-hmm. I would say so. That's uh, 
that's you know the the basically the editing on the laptop became a lot more palatable to me at this point. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm planning on doing some more uh, faster posting of stuff. Yeah. And um, you know, hopefully we'll you know be able to to do, hopefully we'll be able to like do what we want to do to a to a degree. Um, I'm a, I'm a little worried about it, but like I said, I also know how this goes and things kind of you know shake out and play out and. Um, uh, I don't really believe in the uh, ability to kind of enforce the rules with regards to COVID in Uzbekistan. It's just, it's just not uh, a big, a big enough thing here. Um, you know, you go on the subway, no one's wearing a mask. You go, you know, in any cab, no one's wearing a mask. You go to the airport, like the guards aren't wearing masks. Like the kids in the training hall, yeah, the kids cleaning in- up the weights, not wearing a mask. Yeah, the the kids volunteering aren't wearing a mask. One of the guys who is here, who um, is kind of trying to enforce the mask rules, literally told one of the the guys who's like in charge of running the competition yesterday in the training hall, put on a mask. And this is an Uzbek who doesn't speak English. And the guy just basically told him, you know, in no, no, not in words, but in actions, to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just literally, just like threw up his hands and said something mask in. Something, something in Uzbek, and then the word mask, mm-hmm. and I think was maybe saying I don't have a mask or something, but yeah. the, the guy didn't even have one, and so you know whether whether any of this will will get enforced is is another story. Um, what else is there to discuss? I lost the chess game against Stephen Galvan. Oh yeah, Steve is here. Was supposed to be our special guest on this podcast. Yeah, I don't think he's going to come. He was supposed to come to dinner with us, and yeah. then he um, he said that he had to go cover something dumb. Big time TV. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, he, he hasn't messaged me yet, and it's been an hour since the thing he had to cover. So right. yeah. I don't I don't think he's coming. Um, I mean, I, I had a feeling he was not, but uh, yeah, Steve Steve arrived. Um, he's shooting for the IWF together with Isaac. Isaac Morias, yeah, from Spain. From the Spanish Federation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I, I wish there was like it, it feels kind of uh, boring that there's not more to say about the World Championships. I guess that's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not like too much um, like going on yet, and that's not to say I'm not excited about the World Championships. Because there, there are definitely some sessions I'm very excited to see. Dude, yeah. Um, and I think I said in other podcasts, like, this is the first meet in a while that I'm actually truly excited for, which which still holds true. Like, I'm very excited to see the the 109s. I would say pretty excited. Not not as excited, but pretty excited to see the 96s. Yeah. I'm very interested to see Lasha. Because it'll be it'll be good to see. No, Lasha has a he, he, for some reason he put in a bit of a lower entry total, so that doesn't mean to me that he's going to not win. Um, I can't imagine a world where Lasha doesn't win uh, a meet, but it might mean he isn't going necessarily for all new records. You know, it could it could be that he, he's not he's not in in the the mindset to do that. Um, but yeah, the, um, and the Armenians are looking. Pretty strong on paper so far. 
Yeah, the Armenians look strong. What was it, 460? Yeah, both of the Armenians put in 460 entry totals. Lasha put in a 450, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And then Lovchev put in a 440. And then there's there's also some other strong entry totals. So it's going to be an interesting session, yeah. no matter what. Because, I mean, the Armenians won't let Lasha get away with coming in and doing, like, 210, 245, and no. just kind of cruising. like no. Because, like... 210, 245 is losing this meet. So, Lasha's going to have to do... Uh, he's going to have to do, you know, you know, big, big numbers. Maybe not big big for him, but... He can just phone it in. You know, maybe we'll see something like 215, 260 from What's Lasha. What's your guess for the um, super heavyweight second place snatch? Um... I don't know. I mean, Gore's here. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't see any reason... You know why Gore wouldn't be wouldn't be two fifteen? What? Yeah, I think I say minimum two fifteen. Yeah, minimum. I mean, the thing about Gore is that he always looks like he's not going to make his third attempt because, like his because his bottom position, and by bottom position I mean his high his power position, his power <laughs> position, his power bottom position yeah. always looks his so power bottom. It always looks so unstable, and it never looks like he's really in great control of weights. Even even on his like earlier lifts, like his first and second attempt snatches, it's very rare that it looks like he yeah, he will run. But he's somewhat okay. like, his save at Europeans wasn't safe. No, his his abilities to save weights are literally second to none like yeah. there, there's no one else on the planet who can sprint around with 216 over their head and and save it the way that he does like he, I think even Lasha would lose a weight if he had if, if you told him hey you have to run forward with it yeah no granted he did save 220 at um in Anaheim Anaheim his first 220 yeah, yeah his first 220 yeah. he walked a bit with that mm-hmm. But it was nothing like a gore save. No, no, no. Gore saves are like true panic saves. <laughs> Whereas Lasha was like, oh, you know, this is this is a little bit forward, sort of. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Gore... I mean, I, I don't see why Gore wouldn't snatch 215. I mean, if he hadn't done it, so, like, done heavy snatches so many times, I think I would be skeptical. Like, for instance, if he, if he had done this whole, like, super heavy, crazy save, like, wild like bar almost hitting your head while in the power position in the bottom if he if he had only done that once i think my inclination would be like well i think maybe he got like a little bit like not lucky's the wrong word but like you know a little you know a little bit like fortunate there that he managed to save it because like most of the time if the bar is like kind of out of position you're not going to be able to save a essentially a world record snatch. I know it's not a world record, but essentially a world record snatch. Um, but he's done it so many times that at this point, that's just what he—that's just normal. Yeah, we expected. Huh? Yeah, that's just like a run-of-the-mill competition for him. So, and I, I think Lala Yan looks like you know he he could be in in really good shape. I mean, he's not that many people know him yet, but he's he's like a a real big time super for the future for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah. And there, there are other sessions I'm looking forward to. Like I am looking forward to the 81s. I think it'll be interesting to see who you know manages to win that. And um, there's there's some interesting. There's not as many interesting sessions on the girls' side. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, just because a lot of people who would be interesting are 
are not here. Like, for instance, Toma's not here, and Kate and I is not coming. And there, there's a bunch of other people who I think I would, would be more interested in watching who, who aren't here. So, and, you know, Guo is not in world record shape. No. Um, Coach was saying that, you know, she'd maybe do, like, 235 range, something like that, which... You know, for her, is run-of-the-mill, just kind of boring. Obviously, it's still going to win. Yeah. Um, but there's not there's not really that many... I can't even think of a women's session that I'm, like, really excited for. And that's not because I don't like women's weightlifting. Like, there's, there's a lot of cases. Like, for instance, from the American Open in Denver, I was actually much more interested in women's sessions than men's sessions. Uh, in general, but um, now we're getting our plates cleared. Thank you. So uh, it's it's not it's not so much like a gender thing as much as like who who is actually in the session. It's what makes an exciting competition. Yeah, yeah. I do think there will be some good ones, but the the, the women's sessions 71 are seventy-one. Probably, probably cool. I mean, who who are you looking forward to seeing in 71? Is, is Meredith 71? Yeah, Meredith is 71. Meredith, Olivia, and Sarah, Sarah Davies. Sarah Davies will be there. Or, or sorry, I, I know Davis. You know, Davis. Yeah, yeah, she pronounced it Davis, Davis. Even though it's clearly spelled Davies. But, um, and then, yeah, there's, there's, there's some other um, lighter sessions I'm interested in, too. Like, just, you know, even things like the 67s will be interesting, and... There's actually a bunch of male sessions that I think will be interesting. If nothing else, just because it's giving a bunch of people a chance to win senior worlds who would never have a shot it's, otherwise. It's like Anaheim. Again. It's similar to Anaheim, yeah. yeah. Just because China's not here, really. Yeah, just because China, North Korea, not here. Yeah, just, just not having those two opens up a bunch of classes to yeah. people. I think it'll be interesting. I think we'll see a lot of people medal who will you know, historically not be meddling countries. And there will also be a lot of people who will win who will not be traditionally be world champion winning countries. So I am glad that people like, you know, uh, you know, Ahab or whoever, like, really got chances in, in 2017 to do that. Speaking of which, I'm, I'm excited to see Ahab. Super excited. My yeah. favorite lifter on the men's side. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, too, about Ahab is he's literally been your favorite lifter since the beginning. Yeah, dude. Since one of... When was it? 20... I remember when I posted the first video on All Things Gym on a website. I don't, I don't remember that, but um, I remember when you came to Almaty, which was your first ever meet, so that would have yeah. been seven years ago, you were talking about Ahab, and I think that I didn't even realize that he was, like, a competitive lifter. Mm. I didn't... Because... You know, his name on the start list is different than yeah. he, like, spells his name in the, you know, in, in Facebook. And so I knew who he was from, from Facebook, mm-hmm. but I had never seen him compete before. Yep. And I think that I thought that he was some sort of, like, like circus, you know, athlete who, like, doesn't lift for real. Oh, wow. This was, this was before yeah, Almaty, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. This was in, you know, in basically the, the days leading up to the Almaty competition. I think I, I just been like, oh yeah, that that guy from Egypt who likes to post like goofy, funny videos, yeah. and I was like, he's he's entertaining, he's fun to watch, and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But he's he's not like a real weightlifter. Dude. And then and then uh, and then you were like, Muhammad Ahab is here. And I'm like, 
I'm like, wait, the guy from Facebook? <laughs> and then you were like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I didn't even realize he, like, lifted it competitions because I had never mm. seen him and no no what I figured out later was that he had actually tested positive in Egypt in oh. like 2012 and That's so he, right. he was actually under a ban so that was why I like 2011 in, yeah or 2011 yeah. or 2012 mm. 2011 2011 I want to say okay but anyway he had tested positive internally and wasn't lifting in competitions and so I guess basically in the time period that I was following weightlifting was why I never really um mm. you know uh you know, knew of him as a competitive weightlifter yeah. until 2014 in Almaty. And then he lifted, and I'm like, damn, this guy's really good. He's really good, yeah. He combines so many aspects that I'm looking for. Was like. he a 69 there? Yeah, he was. He competed against Mosquera. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 60, no. Mosquera was 61. He was 61, right. So who did he compete against? Like Liao Hawaii? Liao Hawaii was there. I remember in Almaty, I want to say Ahab snatched like 150. I'd say 52. 52 yeah, 152, yeah. 183, something like that. Yeah. Um, and a silver medal. So. Well, um, Liao Hui won in yeah. Almaty in the 69s. I'm 100% sure of that. I mean, he did 66, 93. 66 world record, yeah. Yeah. What a sick lift. Um, but yeah, Ahab, super fun. Um, combines so many aspects that I like. Like, He's entertaining. He lifts super well. He's super strong, and he's also super super focused. Yeah. So people sometimes may believe he's like goofy all the time, but in training he's like very, very, very focused. And then after training, okay, he does like his poses and his yeah. like weightlifting sculptures or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Now he he is. If, if there's one thing you're consistent on, is that Ahab is your favorite. Yeah, but. Um, what else could we talk about? We could talk about briefly um, about the other, the most important world championship that's going on right now. Oh, chess. Chess. <laughs> well, I don't know if our listeners know anything about chess. Well, Do you think there's them. a lot? Of, yeah, I mean. Well, this is not about the listeners. This is about us. Now. It's about us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All things chess. Yeah. Um, um, so Magnus Carlsen, the Norwegian chess prodigy. Yeah. Well, he's like thirty at this point, but. Just, yeah. it, Historically, a prodigy, and now maybe all-time great is more accurate. Uh, is competing in a 14-game series against uh, Napo. I'm just keeping it Napo. What is his full name? Um, I think it's like Napo Niachi. Na- Something like Napo Niachi. Yeah. Jan Napo Niachi. Yeah. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but he's he's a Russian. And on this trip, Ned and I have been following the games somewhat. I haven't watched the latest recap because those games are really long, and when we we tried to stay awake for game, one. Game eight wasn't that long. Okay. Yeah, by by comparison. I haven't watched it in. But yeah, let us know if you're also into chess, if you'd like to follow it, if you want to play it against us. Yeah, I mean, the brief summary is that they've played eight of the 14 games. Yeah. It might not actually go 14 games because Magnus is now up two. Mm-hmm. But they've, so far in the eight, um, they've, they've tied in six, and Magnus has won two. Yeah. So that puts him up a few points. So you know, obviously, once, uh, once if if they continue to draw or Magnus wins another one, it could actually end pretty, I mean, if soon, pretty soon. Wins another one, then <laughs> Napo can just pack his bags. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think Napo can already pack his bags because yeah. Magnus isn't going to lose two. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, it, it's it's inconceivable, I think, to anyone in the chess world that, that Magnus could lose at this point. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's physically capable of it. You know, sure. he could just blunder away his, his pieces. You know, but 
He checkmate himself. Yeah, he just, loses king. Yeah, <laughs> just knock his king off the board. But he, you know, he um, he isn't going to to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit like saying, okay, like, you know, Shijiang needs to open at like one seventy five to win the Olympics, and you know, what what are the chances that that Shijiang is going to mm-hmm. lose the Olympics after he needs to open at one seventy five to win? Yeah, it's like mm, no. He's he's literally like a hundred percent to win at that point. Yeah. So it's fun to watch. I've been following chess, like not really closely following, not like I follow weightlifting, but every once in a while I look into chess games, and it's a nice um, activity. I wouldn't call it sport. Would you call it a sport? So personally, for me. Um, I do call it a sport. Okay. So I, I have like a very, and this is actually a long time definition that I've had, um, is that anything that requires like physical and mental stamina. And mental stamina, okay. Yeah. Okay. F- physical and or mental. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say more so, and it, it's, it's it, you definitely need a physical aspect to it. Right, and chess does have a physical aspect to it, like endurance. What? What is the physical aspect? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a physical aspect just to sitting just there and, and concentrating for, for that long. I mean, you know, it, is it is it you know the same as running an ultra marathon? I mean, no, I, it's not like a it's not a cardiovascular event, right? That we should distinguish. I, I don't I don't think that sports need to be a cardiovascular event. Here's the other really important thing for me in sports. It has to be primarily an objective thing. Yeah, I agree with that. It cannot be primarily subjective. Yeah. And that's not to say 100% objective, because there's almost nothing that's 100% objective. Actually, chess is essentially 100% objective, because there's no, uh, there's no like, refs in chess. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, there is someone, there's, you know, like, an arbiter or whatever, but there's, 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 there's really no aspect of of reps mm-hmm. whereas in weightlifting okay is it is it 100% objective no because there are reps who you know give lifts or take away lifts and and stuff but primarily yeah. weightlifting is objective right and it's the same reason that I don't consider let's say figure skating to be a sport mm-hmm. but it's that, very physically demanding but it gets uh, judged super subjectively yeah it gets judged very subjectively same as like artistic gymnastics yeah like or even regular gymnastics in a lot of cases yeah. has a lot of judging now some of these sports have started to move towards models that have made it more objective where this uh, trick is worth such and such that amount of points okay and like that's just what it's worth okay now to me that's moving sports like gymnastics and figure skating both closer to being a sport mm-hmm. and obviously it, it is subjective whether it is primarily objective or subjective because you know there there, <laughs> yeah. there is a there is a fine line yeah but to me a sport has to be primarily objective And anything else, and once again, this has nothing to do with calling someone not an athlete. Just because you're in a sport doesn't mean you're an athlete, and just because you're not in a sport doesn't mean you're not an athlete. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, obviously, a gymnast is a much more, like, accomplished and in shape and, like, you know, much better athlete than, than a chess player. Yeah. Or, like, a NASCAR driver or something, you know, or like a Formula One driver or anything like that. Mm. 
But, you know, there, by the way, there is a big physical aspect to, to racing cars as well. But the, the thing for me is that it has to be primarily objective. And in weightlifting, it is primarily objective. Because you're not being graded on, like, oh, how did your technique look, uh, 9.8. You know, you're primarily, it's about how much weight is on the bar and did you lift it. Yeah. And obviously there are some rules and some subjectivity, but primarily it's objective. And anything that's not a sport, I put in the category of exhibition. Mm-hmm. And exhibitions can have much better athletes than sports. Mm-hmm. So it's not about who's a better athlete, this and that. It's primarily about, and by the way, I would also put, and this, this might be a controversial take, but I would put CrossFit in the category of not a sport. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is CrossFit itself decides what the events are. Yeah. And you can't have something where... No, the scoring in CrossFit is often 100% or very close to 100% objective. Mm-hmm. But you can't have a sport where the events aren't decided. Now, I would give you an example of how I would run CrossFit that I think would make it 100% a sport. All right. What I would do is I would put a list of essentially 100 events together, mm-hmm. okay? And these are, quote, the CrossFit events. So, you know, you could have your named workouts like Fran and this and that in there. You could also have, let's say, a five-kilometer run in there. You could have a 200-meter dash in there. You, you could essentially, within those 100 events, you could have enough unpredictability mm-hmm. that you could test for who is the, quote, the fittest person in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And then the way a CrossFit event would work is you would have, uh, I mean, obviously this could be different depending on what the event is, but an example would be, okay, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be, we're going to choose three events at random per day, okay? Mm-hmm. And... Those, that's what the the event is. It's nine events. Friday's three, Saturday's three, Sunday's three. Yeah. That is CrossFit of those 100 events. To me, that makes it a sport. That changes it from an exhibition to a sport just because it's not being decided by CrossFit HQ at their own whim of what whatever they want mm. to, to do. Now, uh, you know, the, the end result might or probably would be the same because a lot of the CrossFit HQ chooses usually from, from, you know, I don't necessarily follow the CrossFit games that closely, but from the years I have followed it, usually they choose stuff that I would say is like a reasonably good representation of, of, you know, what, what I think this kind of like random nature of it would be. And once you have like a pool of hundred workouts, it's still going to be random enough, even though people can, train for these 100 workouts if they have like, the time well the thing is is that people already essentially train for the the things that they know are going to pop up because they know that CrossFit's going to do some sort of like long form endurance thing like whether it's like a, a marathon row or this or that they know yeah they, they know it's going to be like there's going to be some sort of like testing of some new events and blah 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 but The thing about 100 events is that you can't be a specialist mm-hmm. if you're going to have a pool of 100 events that could get chosen yeah. and you know that they're going to choose these at random. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, that, that accomplishes the goal of CrossFit, which is testing for the fittest on earth. Mm-hmm. 
and also makes it into a true sport that can be essentially run at, you know, in, for instance, you know, CrossFit's never going to make it into the Olympics the way it is right now, where it's like, oh, some, some person decides about these like secret events and announces them five minutes beforehand. Now, by the way, I do think that you could integrate the five minutes beforehand thing into this whole random thing. They could be like, we're going to draw the event live in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, why not? And, and like, we're, like, basically the, the drawing will be at, you know, 2.30 and the event will be at 3. And I wouldn't even mind if they segmented the, the events a little bit where it was like, okay, we're going to do a barbell event at, at 3. And we're we're going to choose from like the twenty barbell events that are in yeah. the hundred, like different workout pools, like yeah, an endurance I, pool, yeah, and barbell pool. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they kind of forced some some like if, if basically they removed some of the randomness. Yeah. If they said we're going to run a CrossFit event that's going to have like two totally random events per day and one from a pool, like we'll make sure that Friday we'll have endurance and. Saturday will have a barbell and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think you could do kind of things like that and still call it a sport. But and if, if it's totally picked by, by a, a group of people, then it's just not a sport because it's just not, it's not a defined event. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I've actually had strong feelings about that for a long time. I mean, even going back, because, you know, my... Like, my mom used to really like watching figure skating mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah, and I remember too. watching the Olympics in, like, 1992 and 1994. Of course, 1992 was the last year that that the Winter Olympics were in the same year as the Summer Olympics. Okay. If you remember that. Or was it... Was it 92 I don't know. I don't know what year Yeah, I'm pretty sure 92 had both. And then 94 was winter only. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. But... I remember watching the Olympics, you know, as as a kid and being like, like this isn't I was like this isn't a sport. I was literally like six and I was saying stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I was just like I was like, this is this is cool. Like, you know, they're they're doing stuff that's like athletically unbelievably accomplished yeah. and impressive and yeah. like their body control and their their power and their um, like just uh, fitness is like unbelievable. Yeah. Like way better than lots of things I do consider a sport but it's just not it wasn't at least at the time it wasn't objective enough I don't follow the sport closely enough these days to say exactly what changes they've made but I know they've both had some judging scandals over the years and they've they've changed some of their criteria for how it got scored Mm -hmm. to address those things because it was one of these things where it was like oh yeah yeah it's like that's a and by the way uh, this is another example to me, any boxing decision... Oh, I was just going to bring up boxing, yeah. Is, is not, that's not a sport. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? That's not... like It's literally judges scoring rounds like 10 to 9. That doesn't even make sense as a scoring system. 10 to 9? Like, like who came up with that? Why isn't it just 1 to 0? <laughs> like, if you're going to... Now, I know that some rounds can get scored like, oh, uh, you know, 10-8 or something like that, but... It's like it's just such a dumb scoring system that doesn't even make sense, really. Now, obviously, if someone straight up knocks someone else out, yeah, I mean that's a pretty objective criteria, which is like the person got knocked out. Yeah, uh, they're they're laying on the mat and like they're not conscious. Like, okay, how to fake it? 
Well, maybe it has been done. Maybe it's been faked. But, uh, you know, but for the most part, I would put boxing into the not a sport um, category. And, you know, to a large degree, um, MMA. You know, MMA does have more, I would say, like fight stoppages than than boxing has fight stoppages. On, I mean, from what I've seen, I don't. I would have to run the numbers on that to know. But yeah. from from what I've watched of both of them, I, I would say I see more uh, boxing decisions and more MMA kind of fight stoppages. So I think if there are um, like a fight, if there is a fight stoppage, it kind of goes more into that kind of like sport category but there's still too many decisions for me to call MMA like a real sport sport you know if it was more objective it's definitely a, what I like about your definition it's consistent like people might disagree with it or agree with it but it's like for sure consistent yeah and the other thing I should say is that I'm not at all discounting Uh, people who are not competing in a sport as not being athletes or not no, being no. like incredibly fit and not being like significantly more accomplished and I'm not trying to like put down their their accomplishments and their skill and ability because yeah. I'm not even saying that someone who is in a sport is somehow better than someone who isn't in a sport it's just to me that's not what a sport is to me a sport has to be a defined uh, series of events that have a defined kind of way to determine the winner yeah. that doesn't revolve doesn't primarily revolve around human decisions um, mm -hmm. you know that would be the that would be the what I would consider you know the the best criteria for what it means but I mean weightlifting definitely fits it even even with the human aspect even though Tokyo was a little bit frustrating oh, with God. all of, like the dumb oh, press out calls like Tokyo made it go into <laughs> go go towards that exhibition category exactly. Every of like this doesn't make any sense for a jury review and all that. yeah I mean the, the the press out rule has a lot of problems like because of it, it, it kind of it, it makes weightlifting look terrible in a lot of ways yeah because common you know bait, you know your gen, gen pop watching weightlifting doesn't understand it because even people who are experienced with weightlifting look at it and they're like that was a press out Like, the elbow was just wobbling. That wasn't a press out. Yeah. I, I tried... I had to explain it to some people um, this summer. A bunch of people, yeah. Yeah, people were, were messaging me being like, I just watched that. Like, is it, was it, what's it, what does that mean by press out? No one was pressing it. And I'm like, I'm like, well, press out to judges, in some cases, also means elbow wobble. Hmm. You know, a, a wobble out is, is, a wobble. A, is really what, is what they're calling. So... It's like that—that's dumb. But in general, weightlifting is not uh, in the exhibition, you know, category. It's more so in the sport category. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, Steve, by the way, says he is not coming. I got a message from him saying that he is. We will see him tomorrow. God damn it, Steve! Even though it's only eight twenty-five, but I guess he did fly in at two in the morning. Mm -hmm. So. He didn't sleep long. Yeah. Right. Well, that was it. Uh, episode two from Worlds in Uzbekistan. Um, catch us in the next episode when we talk about um, how the situation develops in the training hall and in competition. This was Gregor Winter and Ned Aram. Um, see you next time.